0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16, called Lean
1: on Me. you have to dress every day. And what you put on is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what that means is you put on his power. You say, well, how do you do that? The way you do that is you seek the Lord so that he will clothe you, here's the image, with his power. It is a spiritual picture that when you read your Bible in the morning, when you pray, even a simple short prayer, Father, Before these feet hit the floor, I offer myself as a living sacrifice. Would you clothe me with the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? You are setting the tone for the day. Do you know what people are called who go out into the spiritual battle without that clothing? They go out naked, if you will. They're called casualties. And usually what you lose to is your own flesh. I I know it's quiet in here. I'm feeling like someone wants to say an amen, but I know it's hard because your flesh is fighting you right now. But here's the truth. If we don't clothe ourselves with the spiritual endowments from on high, we go out unprotected and we are easy prey to the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we need Jesus to fight our battles. And here's the good news. Jesus wants to fight our battles. He invites us to a throne, not of condemnation, but of grace. This is Hebrews 4.16. We can boldly come with confidence to a throne of grace to receive mercy and help in time of need. Hebrews 4.16. And I don't know about you, but I'm a needy man because I need his power. I cannot do this battle in my own strength. I've learned that one thing for sure. I need his power. I need his strength. And Jesus is up in heaven. He has a current ministry to you, his church today. He ever lives to intercede for his people. You and me. 24-7, his arms never get tired. He's the greater Moses up in heaven, interceding for you. Remember when Jesus had fed the 5,000 and he sent the disciples into the Sea of Galilee, sent them literally into a storm. And Jesus sent the people away and he went up on the mountain to pray. This is a kind of a greater picture of Moses. He's the ultimate Moses, if you will. And he sent them into the storm and he let them fight the storm for six, eight hours. And the wind was against them. You all know the story. And Jesus watched them and he was praying. What do you think Jesus was praying? He was praying that they would mature, that they would learn to depend on him, that they would grow in their faith. He was teaching them faith lessons. In Mark 6 it says because their hearts, listen, were still hard. He sent them into the storm. This is my take to soften their hearts. And this is what God sometimes do. Does. So we can be in a situation where we felt like we're losing, but God is growing us. Or he might be revealing something to us in a test about our own hearts and our need to depend on God. If the Israelites were to look in the mirror at their performance since leaving Egypt, what would their score be? Not so good. And we're a lot like them. We can be spiritual one moment and whining and complaining the next moment or in our flesh the next moment. And God is giving us a key insight. We need the Lord. We need to come to his throne of grace regularly. You could wake up at two in the morning. You could wake up at six in the morning and he will always be there and he will always hear your prayer and he will always be there to come to your aid. That's pretty good news, isn't it? And all you have to do to tap into that power is pray. But isn't prayer a battle? Sometimes theologically we wonder about prayer. If God is sovereign, why should I pray? Sometimes we wonder if our prayers are going beyond the ceiling. Sometimes we wonder, you know, does does it make an impact when I pray for somebody? Because we've often prayed about things and maybe not something didn't immediately happen or something didn't change. What do we do? Prayer is a battle. It is a discipline, but it is a calling. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not lose heart. And when Jesus was leading the disciples, he prayed so much so that they asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. So I will be completely candid with you. This has been one of my prayers over the years. Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach me what you would want me to pray and how you would want me to pray. It's a battle for all of us to be committed to prayer. But we have to bathe our lives in prayer. And when we do, we become more like Joshua, more like our, uh, the ultimate warrior, Jesus Christ, who intercedes constantly for his people. Now you say, well, how do you do this? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing or pray always or pray continually. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 It's not so much about the posture. It's about the heart. I don't think that God expects any of us to be praying 24-7. That would be impossible. But what Paul is getting at is a Godward gaze in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. He's saying something like this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. If you're at work, if you're at school, if you're in your neighborhood, if you're taking care of your kids, whatever situation you're in, you can be meeting someone, hi, nice to meet you, and on a sub-level, you can still be have your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Amen? It's a battle, but the key is the gaze of your heart, not necessarily the posture of your body. I will tell you that there are many different postures for prayer, even in Scripture, sometimes on one's knees, sometimes on one's face. In many instances for Jewish people, the typical posture of prayer was eyes open, arms out, and looking up to heaven to pray. The issue is not so much the posture of the body. It's about the attitude of my heart. And this is the lesson that's before us. And so Joshua did as Moses told him, 1710 of Exodus. He fought against Amalek, and Moses did exactly as he had said. But he had some company. Moses, Aaron, who's Moses' uh, older brother, and Hur, I'll talk about him in a second, went up to the top of the hill. Three men went up to the brow of the hill. I don't know how high the hill was, but they were above where the battle was taking uh, place below. Moses did not go up alone. Jesus said in Matthew eighteen twenty, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Now, I will tell you the context of Matthew 18 is largely about church discipline and God ratifying in heaven what is committed to on the planet. But I think it has also the implication that when two or three gather in corporate prayer, the Lord is there but he's also there when you pray alone in your prayer closet, amen? So let's not take that verse out of context. But what I have found over the years is I find strength in corporate prayer. It's a little easier to pray with a group of people than it is sometimes to pray solo, amen? And so I would encourage you, if you don't do this right now, come to something that has corporate prayer. We pray before the services. Wednesday night, we pray from six to seven. Some people come just for the prayer and go home. But there's a strength in that corporate prayer. There's a strength in two or three or four or five or ten or whatever it is, seeking the Lord together. This is what the early church did. The early church prayed in Acts chapter 2, waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit to come. They regularly devoted themselves to prayer and the word of God and fellowship and the breaking of bread. They prayed for Peter when he was in prison in Acts chapter 12 an all night prayer meeting and saying, Lord, would you deliver him? And Peter was set free. The apostle said, we will give ourselves to prayer, Acts 6, 4, and the ministry of the word. This was the priority of the early church. Whenever they got in a battle, they had a prayer meeting. And I don't think that the modern church values prayer the same way, frankly. I will tell you after 9-11, there were a lot of crowded prayer meetings, but they quickly dissipated because that's just how we tend to be. And so this idea of Moses going up on the hill, he didn't go up alone. And I would encourage you maybe to be thinking about some prayer partners And to be helping others to grow, even in their knowledge of prayer, which I know some of you are doing. And it's been the focus of our men's Bible study on Thursday mornings. Listen to this. Jesus said, Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan's demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. One of the ways that you can strengthen others is to hold them up in prayer. Acts 18.23 says, Paul, having spent some time there, departed and passed successively through the Galatian region in Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Romans 1.11 says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. 1 Thessalonians 3.2 says, We sent Timothy, our brother and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you As to your faith. Please listen. One of the huge parts of your Christian walk. Is to be involved in strengthening other believers. If you will. To hold up the hands of other people. Can I ask you a personal question? Do you spend more time pushing up hands? Or pushing them down? I had to ask myself that this week. Am I one who builds up other people? Am I an edifier? Am am I an encourager? Or do I get in the company of people and their hands drop instead of their hands going up? That's a consideration in our walk. Aaron, who is Moses' older brother, some believe his name means mountain of strength, and her may have been married to Miriam, there's one Jewish tradition that says that, so he was Moses' brother-in-law.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
1: One of the top apologists on the issue of abortion and life is Scott Klusendorf. There are conjoined twins out there. In fact, I'm thinking right now of the Henschel twins that the
0: media has followed since infancy. They're now in their early 30s. They are joined literally at the
1: hip you look at a picture of these girls and you see one set of legs, two body trunks, two sets of shoulders, and two heads. Now these two girls cannot live independent of each other because their organs are intertwined and their bodily systems are linked in such a way that separation is impossible. But if living independent of another human being is what grounds your right to life, neither one of those girls has a right to life and both can be killed. Join Pastor Michael Lance on Sunday, February 5th at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Life Training Institute President Scott Klusendorf will be our guest during both morning services, teaching on In His Image, a case for life in a post-Roe v. Wade world. Learn more at walkintruth.com or call 844 844- Four forty-eight 48 truth truth or visit walkintruth.com.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth.
1: Can I ask you a personal question? Do you spend more time pushing up hands or pushing them down? I had to ask myself that this week. Am I one who builds up other people? Am I an edifier? Am am I an encourager? Or do I get in the company of people and their hands drop instead of their hands going up? That's a consideration in our walk. Aaron, who is Moses' older brother, some believe his name means mountain of strength, and her may have been married to Miriam. There's one tr- Jewish tradition that says that. So he was Moses' brother in law. And Aaron and her are up on the mountain to help Moses. He needed them and they needed him. And this is how it works in terms of our spiritual life. We need one another. We are the body of Christ. We've got to hold each other up. By the way, hers name means noble. And so put it together. Aaron was a mountain of strength to his brother and her did a noble thing by holding up the hands of Moses. What a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. What a beautiful picture of someone saying to another one, I'm not gonna let your hands fall. Instead of maybe looking at Moses and saying, man, you are getting old, man. You, you look like you're tiring out really quick. I mean, how many of you could say that for those of you who do raise your hands in worship, that it's tiring to keep your hands up just during one song. I'm telling you, it is. And we're gonna do something at the end that will prove my point. But here's the deal. Moses was interceding in the war, but he couldn't do it alone. Do not try to do your Christian life solo. It just doesn't work. During World War II, a little church in Strasbourg, France was bombed by the German army. When the war concluded, the people in the community cleared away the rubble and they found a statue of Jesus, the base of which inscribed these words, Come to me, all you who are weary. It was remarkably preserved except for both hands, which had been destroyed. Hearing of this, the sculptor whose work it was immediately offered to replace the hands, but the pastor wisely declined. And so it was that the statue was returned to its original position in the front of the church, but with a new inscription which read, he has no hands on earth but ours, for we are his body. And so it came about when Moses held up his hand, if you have a NIV, held up his hands, plural, Israel was winning or prevailing. And when he let down his hand, Amalek was prevailing or winning. It all depended on whether Moses' hands were up. And here's another thing to consider. Moses had the staff. I don't know if he was like this or if he had the staff in one of his hands and he had the normal posture of prayer with the hands spread out. But either way, with the additional weight of the staff, it had to be hard. And maybe Moses looked down and he and he had his hands up and he thought, oh, Joshua's doing great. We're winning. Cool. Drop my hands. And then, uh-oh, we're in trouble. Hands go back up. I don't know how it all worked. But as long as his hands were up, there was victory. And as soon as they began to drop, there was defeat. You say, what do we make of the raising up of the hands? Here's I'm going to give you in rapid fire some scriptures to consider. Some of them will be up on the screen. Turn back to Exodus 9 just for a quick second. Look at verse 22. Exodus 9, 22 says, Now the Lord said to Moses, 9, 22, Stretch out your hand toward the sky, that hail may fall on the land of Egypt, on man and beast, and on every plant of the field throughout the land of Egypt. There is a precedent for this. Exodus 10, 12 says these words. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts that they may come up on the land of Egypt and eat every plant of the land, even all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt. You can see the precedent for this. Now, there are several scriptures in the Psalms that I want to give you. And I'm going to do this in somewhat rapid fire. They're going to be hopefully behind me on the screen. But I want to read them to you so you can see where this comes from. Because some of you have come into the Christian church and you're like, what is the deal with this hand-raising thing? And some of you, you, you don't know where it comes from. You don't know, is it biblical? Is it scriptural? Should I be doing this? And some of you maybe have become convinced and you've gotten about halfway up. You know, you're, this is your sweet spot right here. You're okay. And you know, some comedians have joked that some people do the wax on, wax off kind of thing and they're pretty free. And other people have got them up and other people got them down. But here's, here's the deal. Psalm 28, if you're taking notes, one and two says, to thee, O Lord, I call my rock. Do not be deaf to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Psalm 28, two. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy sanctuary. We're gonna stick with the Psalms. Psalm 63, one through four says, O God, You are my God, I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have beheld you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live, Psalm 63, 4. I will lift up my hands in your name. Psalm 88, verse 9, if you're following along in the Psalms, 88, 9 says, My eye has wasted away because of affliction. I have called upon thee every day, O Lord. I have spread out my hands to thee. Psalm 119, verse 48 says, one nineteen forty eight, I shall lift up my hands to thy commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on thy statutes. Psalm 141, one and two says, O Lord, I call upon thee, hasten to me, give ear to my voice when I call to thee. May my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. And Psalm 143, five and six says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy doings. I muse on the work of thy hands. I stretch out my hands to thee. My soul longs for thee as a parched land. Selah.
0: You've been listening to Bread of Heaven, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 16, 1 through 21. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel. If you're having a hard time and need someone to talk to, or maybe you don't feel like talking at all, but you could use some prayer, call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844 48 Truth. That's 844 48 Truth. One more time 844 48 Truth. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word.
1: Well, as you hear about Moses lifting up his arms, raising up his hands and having some help from his friends, you might be saying, maybe you're a little newer to the church or maybe you've been around for a long time and you're like, you know what? I'm not really comfortable with the lifting of my hands. Hey, it's not required to lift up your hands. But, you know, when you're lifting up your hands, there's some things that you're signaling. You're you're reaching up to God. You're you're basically saying, I surrender my life. I'm willing to to, you know, uh, signal that I belong to you and that I'm not afraid to ask for your help. You know, people won't hesitate to do this at a football game, at a basketball game. They'll raise up their hands to the sky, maybe when they just got a business deal. But we're a little bit more hesitant in church. Why? Well, maybe we think people are looking at us and I don't want to be the center of attention. And that's certainly admirable, I would say. We don't want to take attention away from Christ, but you may find something else. You may find that when you lift up your hands in worship, that others are encouraged to do just the same. Because when you're not ashamed of the gospel, maybe they won't be ashamed of the gospel. Amen? Something to think about. And I would tell you, don't ever feel forced to take a posture in worship, because what God really cares about is the attitude of your heart. So don't feel forced because someone else is doing it, whether dropping to their knees or raising up their hands. But if you feel so compelled, don't ever let shame or embarrassment, uh, keep you from giving all honor due to our great God. So that's something to think about. Hey, uh, January 5th, we have a very special 633 event coming up here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship where I serve as senior pastor here in the city of Corona. And on February 5th, really one of the top apologetic voices uh, in our really world on the issue of abortion and life is Scott Klusendorf. And Scott Klusendorf is actually going to speak at our morning services, 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., and come back for a 6.33 event on the evening of February 5th. In his image is the title of the message, A Case for Life, In a post Roe v. Wade world, now you all know that this is obviously a very controversial topic. It is literally sometimes feels like it split our country in half. But what Scott does a great job is with is he gives arguments, reasonable arguments, so that when you're uh, talking with a friend, debating with a coworker, whatever it may be, Scott will give you well reasoned uh, answers to see. Uh, what the Bible says about life, but to see what reason and logic say about it as well. This will be a night for growth. If you come back for the 633 event, there'll be a Q&A time. We'll have a chance to interact with Scott on this issue of life and abortion and questions that you may have as well. You can uh, join us that night on February 5th, and you can get information and directions to Living Truth when you go to walkintruth.com, click on that church tab That's walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab. Hey, I would love to see you out here if you're a radio listener. If you have a home church, and I hope you do, come on out for the evening and grow in your most holy faith. 633 at Living Truth in Corona. Check it out on February 5th. I hope you'll join us. God bless you.
0: Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month or give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 17, 8-16 called Lean on Me. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.